Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Uh, let the listeners know about your background. 
Yeah, um, first and foremost, uh, my Uncle Alpha, you know, I grew up around him. Uh, he's pretty much, you know, like a father to me. Um, you know, I've experienced a lot of cool things uh, since I was a child, uh, always being around constantly uh, training centers and different events, uh, and even also getting the opportunity to travel with him a little bit on the road and going to some of the first Raws ever. Uh, so lots of cool stuff uh, growing up, and obviously, uh, you know this is this was the only thing that I wanted to do. You know I did baseball uh, when I was younger, uh, you know little league type stuff. Uh, I also credit a lot of my athletic background to studying martial arts, uh, taekwondo, for about seven or eight years growing up. Um, so obviously, wrestling was it for me. Uh, I've been around it enough to where I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Uh, I had to be 14 years old uh, to legally start training. Um, so that's exactly what I waited for, and, and that's exactly what I did. Um, also, at the time in Pennsylvania, uh, the state laws were, you know, you had to be 18 to start working on shows. So had to wait, you know, a couple of years for that, which in the end, uh, you know, turned out to be okay because I was that much more ready for it. I had a lot of training under me already. Um, and, uh, you know, I was off to the races when I was 18 years old. W has always been my home. I uh, got to even contribute doing some camera work and helping out on the shows any way that I could. Uh, but when I was 18 years old, you know, this was, you know, I was off and running. Uh, WXW is still my home today. I'm still, you know, pretty big part of it. Um, and it's just always been a great place to work, and we've had a lot of great talent come through over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. So WXW is, um, you know, it's it's located out, outside of uh, Central Florida in Mineola, Florida, and we always put on great shows, and I'm just so happy to my career there so far and all the matches I've been able to contribute to. Fantastic. And of course, the owner is Alpha Sr. Um, from the Wild Samoans, WWE Hall of Famer, manager of the, the Head Shrinkers, former WWE Tag Team Champions. So of course, uh, you being raised and, and shown the ropes by, by Alpha, someone who's so pivotal and so, such a legend in the business, I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers that you've encountered uh, growing up and even uh, in your adulthood, uh, let us know just some interactions that you remember. Um, I remember, you know, I talked to you before and you mentioned Stone Cold, Steve Austin uh, and The Rock. Uh, just let us know some some interactions that you've had growing up and, of course, uh, as an adult. Yeah, I can remember uh, very, very vaguely in and out of going to some of the first Raws ever. Um and I got a lot of pictures with a lot of great people. Shawn Michaels was, uh, it, well, he is my favorite of all time. And I got to see, uh, get a picture with him when he was the Intercontinental Champion. Um, Mr. Perfect was running around there. Uh, my uncle Alpha has always been close to The Undertaker. So th- th- that are, that already is a lot of top guys to, uh, you know, and it's pretty cool to meet, you know, especially when you're young and, and you're captivated into it even more. But there was a big gap there for a while. Um, and then my Uncle Alpha got inducted in the Hall of Fame, which was WrestleMania 23. And not not only was I in attendance for that, but he was invited back to uh, several WrestleManias after that, uh, which, in which he's able to bring his family. So 
you know, uh, over the last few years, I've been able to see a lot of cool stuff and a lot of go to a lot of WrestleManias, uh, 23, 24, uh, 25, and then even 28 in Miami. Just, you know, uh, th- th- that was cool, you know, a little bit different than when you're younger because now I'm able to relate to these guys on a different level. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm able to approach them as a wrestler myself and try to gain as much knowledge and pick as many brains as I can. So, you know, that was a whole different ex- experience. And, you know, as I got older, I just got that much more comfortable of, you know, going up to guys and starting conversations and, you know, just just getting any kind of any kind of advice at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, I owe, I owe my uncle off of that for taking me around and, you know, I got to, you know, been blessed to see a lot of uh, cool things growing up. Wow, that's fantastic. So we, we talked before uh, earlier, and, and, and you, you mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, as far as someone who you remember having an encounter with. Uh, let us know as far as just that moment and just as far as Austin uh, giving you some, uh, some some words of encouragement. Yes, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, what can you say about him? Um, you know, one of the greatest of all time and one of my favorites of all time. And uh, WrestleMania 23, like you know, like I said, I was able to attend uh, his movie. His first movie ever was actually being premiered that weekend, and we were getting, uh, you know, the, the the wrestlers and the families and everybody in attendance that weekend was getting to see the premiere for the first time. So we went and did that. You know, I thought the movie was great. And then uh, there was a moment there when, you know, I think we were in the lobby at, our, at, at the hotel we were staying at. Usually we all stay in the same hotel, um, everybody from the wrestlers and the families and all. And, uh, you know, my Uncle Alpha took me over to him. And, um, you know, he, he instantly you know, he just he just started joking with me. Uh, he, he knew I was a wrestler. And he said, uh, he said something like, uh, you know, if, if if his knees were good, then he would give me a run at, at one of these WrestleManias, which I, I was going nuts inside for, you know, especially being younger. I was probably like 17 or 18 back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, just just that little interaction with Stone Cold just made my whole weekend. And, you know, he was able to make me laugh and smile and, and joke around with me. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's hard not to get starstruck over people that you just, you grow up loving and respecting like that. Uh, so, oh, yeah. You know, Stone, meeting Stone Cold was just one of one of many uh, many uh, you know cool things that I got to do down there. Absolutely, and of course, uh, you know, we we were talking about WXW and just the the, the legacy, the, the the lineage that came from there. Just a lot of I did some research as far as the the, the promotion and just a lot of names uh, were in there. Uh, one big name being Batista. Um, and then a lot of and a lot of other names have have went through and uh, through that promotion and uh, just just a really good lineage, just a really good legacy. And a lot a lot of indie promotions, you know, they uh, they come and go, unfortunately. Uh, but it's really good to to see that and to to know that you know a promotion's been staying and thriving uh, for for twenty years now and and continues to grow and uh, and and has the opportunity to be scouted, to be somewhere. I mean, you know, here's the thing, the WWE people and the WWE personnel, they just don't go anywhere uh, to, to scout and recruit. And it was good that uh, your, your experience there 
uh, gave you an opportunity to uh, to really be a uh, to get have an have an also opportunity to compete in the cruiserweight classic. So let us know as far as like you know who reached out to you and just your experience there and just your feelings. Uh, you know having that opportunity to be a competitor for the cruiserweight classic. W was uh, has definitely given me the most experience uh, so far in my career over the years, and I was able to get enough of that to. Um, you know, receive opportunities for tryouts and and be uh, and be booked as an extra and doing some extra work and things like that. Uh, that's been going on for a few years now. Um, you know, I always try to every time that I show up, I try to be that much better than I was before, and um, you know, just give it my all. And there was this one uh, particular uh, point during uh, the beginning of this year where uh, Mr. William Regal, who's actually uh, a big part of the whole tryout process and, um, you know, uh, taking the extras and, and, and showing them the ropes. Uh, he actually approached me about this huge opportunity and, you know, I, I knew it was huge when he told me, but, you know, I, I, I obviously I didn't know how, how big it was going to be until, you know, I was there and I did it. But, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of tryouts over the years and I've been able to build, you know, some kind of relationship with Mr. Regal, you know, every chance that I get, I'm, you know, trying to get as much knowledge and, and advice that I can out of him. And, and, uh, if, if you know him or if you, if you got a chance to meet him, you, you know, uh, uh, how, how great of a storyteller he is and, uh, you know, how he, how detailed he is when, when it comes to explanations and things like that. So, um, it's, it's been, it's been great learning under him and, um, you know, I just felt very honored to to be a part of this and to be approached about this, uh, especially as the months went on and more names started to be revealed. You know, I just, uh, the whole thing just started becoming surreal to me. I've always yeah. been a confident guy and, and confident in my skills, but, you know, to see my name against these other top names from, you know, whether it be worldwide talent or, you know, top guys from Japan, um, it just, you know, it just started, just, just started, you know, becoming cooler and cooler to me. And, uh, I was just honored to be one of 32, uh, you know, considered for this. Um, and, uh, you know, the Cruiserweight Classic, I, I knew it was going to be the biggest platform that I've ever had uh, as a wrestler. I just didn't know how big it was going to be until, you know, it was all said and done. Oh yeah. And it's absolutely huge now. It's definitely one of the most raved uh, factors or elements of the WWE period, especially the WWE Network. And you have you had an opportunity to main event a uh, cruiserweight classic against a uh, Japanese star uh, Kota Ibushi, and that match really puts you on the map as far as WWE, as far as the um, just the the the, the recognition uh, that you received. Uh, after that match, because of that match, and and Mauro Ronaldo does a fantastic job commentating and just really pushing stars um, that not a lot of people know from a wide standpoint. But just the vignettes and the promos, uh, he really sold your savat kick, and, uh, and and you really showed it very well. And just having an opportunity against Kodobushi and having an opportunity to really put yourself on the map from a uh, a, a, a national or international uh, standpoint is, 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 is great. And he even got you an opportunity to wrestle on NXT uh, recently against 
Hideo Tommy, another Japanese star. What's up with you wrestling all these Japanese stars? That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, to, to start out with Kota, um, you know, for, well, first of all, I can remember growing up and always being intrigued by Japanese wrestling, uh, watching guys like Kawada, Kobashi, Misawa, you know, that whole All Japan era. And, you know, even even recently with, with New Japan taking over and pro wrestling Noah, you know, even even today, I'm such a student of the game, and I try to I try to watch wrestling every chance that I can from everywhere that I can. Uh, Japanese wrestling is no different, you know. Um, so, I already what, what I'm trying to say is I already knew Kota's reputation going in. I know how I know how great he was, and you know it's great seeing somebody you know on the TV or on on the laptop or whatever. And then it's a whole other ball game being in the ring with him. And you know, I was there for. I, was, I felt like I was ready for it. You know, I was. I was very. I was very calm. I was just ready to go in there and and do my best and 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 finally, you know, get to show my stuff on on this stage and uh, yeah. to do it with one of the best uh, the best talents in the tournament uh, and seems to be you know a lot of a lot of people's favorite to win the whole thing. It's just special. Uh, mm-hmm. which is very special. I think I think his style was great, you know. I, I love – I'm a big fan of throwing strikes, so I'm in there with another hard striker, uh, one of the hardest strikers in the world. Um, so it was a big test on me. And, uh, you know, nothing but greatness when I think about Kota Ibushi, man. Uh, just a great mix of, of what I love about wrestling, which is, you know, hard strikes and high flying. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, really, really, uh, some really cool moments during the match. Um, a very, very nice and humble guy, uh, you know, to, to work with the entire week. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm very happy of how, of how things went. Uh, and then to move on with the day with Tommy, um, another one of my favorites of all time. Uh, I couldn't even tell you how many matches I've watched of him. You know, uh, from a from a studying aspect, and uh, you know, you want to talk about strikers. You got strikers, and then you got Kenta. Uh, so you know, he just brings his own style to the to the game, and it was a big match for him too. You know, year and a half being out with a shoulder injury. Um, a lot of us know how tough that can be, and he's got mm-hmm. the scar to prove it. And uh, you know, that one was even more surreal to be in the ring with one of my favorites of all time. Uh, not only was it my first NXT match, but to get you know to wrestle one of my one of my favorites, and you know I keep using the word favorite because that's exactly what it is to me. Um, you know when I think of Shawn Michaels and Eddie Guerrero and Rob Van Dam, uh, you know all my favorites that I enjoy to watch, uh, he's right there up you know with them at least to me, and mm-hmm. um, you know just a great experience, another another chance for me to to show what I'm about. Uh, you know, it's kind of a coincidence, another top Japanese guy, but man, I'll take that all day long. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, nothing but nothing but great stuff to say to say about him. And uh, just really appreciate the opportunities that I've been able to receive. Absolutely. So, with your great showing in the Cruiserweight Classic, and with the uh, opportunity to wrestle on NXT, we have a Cruiserweight division coming on Raw. Now, my question is, you know, I guess the two-parter. Uh, one, have you been contacted to 
for the WWE to uh, to come back in any type of capacity? Uh, and two, is that something that you're thriving for uh, if you haven't? Uh, but if you have, you know, what are your goals? Yeah, to answer your first question, uh, no, there hasn't been any talks. Um, and secondly, uh, you know, how can you not be excited? Uh, you know, cruiserweights all over the world. I mean, how can you not be excited for this opportunity coming up? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I really, I honestly think that the success uh, thus far of the tournament has, you know, actually made this a reality, you know, a full, to make it a full-time deal. Um, you know, there's a, there's a large, there's a large base of, uh, of of people that really want to see, ha- have missed, you know, the cruiserweight for all these years. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got your smaller guys that have been able to to break through on TV and, uh, you know, to compete for the world title and, and and things like that. But, you know, the cruiserweight division, um, it's always changing, it's always evolving, and I think this tournament is a preview of things to come. You know, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, familiar faces from the tournament. Um, you know, and uh, I'm I'm just hoping to be in the mix in that. I mean, how could I not? You know, want want to be uh you know be be striving for that platform. You know, even more. You know, I got my first taste uh, in this tournament. Uh, got a cool opportunity with NXT, but you know, this cruiserweight division is going to be huge. You know, it's going straight to Raw. And um, I think you know, I think the fans are are in for a lot of excitement uh, and oh, a lot yeah. of classic matches. That's for sure. Absolutely, awesome stuff, Sean. Where can we find you? You can find me on uh, the Twitter and the Instagram. Uh, I'm at Savat Kick. That's S A V A T E K I C K. You can uh, hit me up on Facebook. I wrestle under my real name, uh, Sean Maluda, and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm staying as, as active as possible. Uh, WXW is still my home. We just did a, a, a pretty cool show in Orlando this past weekend. Um, but our home base is Mineola, Florida. Um, WXWWrestling.com for more on that. Um, you know, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just going to keep taking these opportunities and making the most of them, you know. Um, wherever I'm going to be wrestling in the near future, Um you know, I, I know I have a lot more to prove, and uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of excitement happening. Uh, you can definitely find me on social media to, uh, you know, to uh, to see what I'll, I'll be up to next. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to giving the fans, uh, showing the fans uh, a little bit more of what I'm all about. Absolutely. Fantastic, man. Thanks for being on the show. And I have a really good feeling that we'll see you back on the WWE sooner than later. Uh, hope so, man. Thank you guys for everything, and I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Have a good night. All right, you too. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for listening to the Sean Maluda interview uh, WWE Cruiserweight Classic competitor. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an action packed evening. So, without further ado, let's introduce our panel for t- tonight. Our WrestleMania and SummerSlam frequent, uh, one of the one of the frequent panelists of the show. He adds uh, a the 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 exact flavor that we need on the Pancakes and Power Slam show from a traditionalist, old school wrestling fan point of view. Uh, host of the Clock Radio Speakers podcast, ladies and gentlemen, wrestling. 
extraordinaire, Armand Goss. How are you tonight, sir? How are you tonight, Armand? He is well. I hope so. And ladies and gentlemen, our, our next uh, person we have is none other from the Bleacher Report pod, from, from Bleacher Report WWE, a feature columnist from the Bleacher Report. Uh, awesome, awesome hand. He's been for, he's been in Bleacher Report for quite some time now, and he continues to be one of the uh, one of the top writers for for the company for the for the WWE page, and he was a co-host on the show uh, last a uh, few weeks ago, and uh, he was so great. We had so much fun that uh, uh, we're going to bring him back tonight. So without lady, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the doctor, Chris Mueller. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on again. Fantastic. And, of course, last but certainly not least, certainly not least uh, one of the, one of the uh, pioneers of uh, just the – Wrestling uh, trivia knowledge, as far as people I know, and uh, uh, senior staff member of Crave Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend of Ryan Fuqua. How are you tonight, sir? Boy, what's going on, Chris? Uh, Good. Happy to be here as usual. Uh, Good stuff there by Sean Maluda. Uh, Oh, yeah. Looking forward to seeing another ooze out there. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, that's a that's a very good uh, way to put it. I, I you know what's so what's so funny? I think that Maluda and the Usos just some type of Samoan faction. It sounds about right. I think it's about time for the Usos to make a change, anyways. And uh, Sean Maluda being with them, uh, I think maybe as a heel faction may work. What do y'all think? Oh, absolutely. Especially, like you said, the Usos need to change because, well, I'm sure we'll get on it later, but American Alpha is uh, the big dog when it comes to tag teams on SmackDown. Yeah, especially babyface tag, team, tag teams. What do you think, yeah. Chris? You know, I've actually wanted to see uh, an Anwai kind of family stable for a while. I thought they should have put Tamina back with the Usos, and now that you got Nia Jax in there, I mean, you, there's a lot of different people they could bring in, and they could really fill it out and make it a dynasty. I, I think it would be a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. The Samoan dynasty. How about Almando um, Alejandro Estrada manage them? <laughs> that would be hilarious. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He would carry his cigar again and say, this is the Samoan dynasty. Ha <laughs> ha. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's, uh, let's get to the headlines without further ado. Here we go. As we've been doing every week, takeaways from the WWE Cruiserweight Classic. Ryan, we'll start with you. Last week. Um, my big thing here was uh, the Brian Kendrick. I've been real intrigued um, with the older guys in this tournament, him and Tajiri, after uh, Tajiri was eliminated. I really wanted to see how far Kendrick goes, and he lives to fight another day. Um, just really want to see how deep he goes. And... Um, the Gallagher guy, maybe it's the Vince McMahon booking in me, but 
I could see him being with the Vaughn villains somewhere down the line. <laughs> yeah, they need some help. What do you think, Chris? Uh, you know, I, I've been a huge fan of this tournament since the start. Uh, Jack Gallagher, that guy, is so talented. I just worry that if he went to WWE's main roster, he would not be used the right way like a lot of smaller guys have been over the years. We've seen these guys producing five-star matches almost on a weekly basis during this tournament, and I'm almost afraid that if they flood it, if they flood the cruiserweight division with too many talents like Gallagher, that they'll all get lost in the shuffle. But you know, everybody performed great last week. I think Tony Nese for sure is getting signed after this tournament if he hasn't already come up with some kind of deal. Yes, <laughs> and I'm glad you mentioned Nice because uh, he he really has that look that the WWE, I'm sure, likes as far as just the, the package deal. Um, you know, and, and they've been plugging him as having a chip on his shoulder because he's been a while, around for a while. Uh, and they, you know, and, and basically they're – their big thing is, you know, he's been around for a while. He hasn't, have an, ha, hasn't had an opportunity. Now he does. So he can he can play on that, and I think it would be great. Armand, you with us? No. <laughs> he, he's, he's, on, he's live on the queue. That's the crazy part. All right, so uh, and then next we have uh, reported talks with MVPs. The WWE are now over. So there were some talks uh, with MVP. <laughs> Excuse me, and there was a few names. Uh, that they were uh, throwing out, like Tommy Dreamer. Um, but, you know, it seems as if their big thing is, are they going to make the same or less the amount of money as they do in the indies? And, and that was Dreamer's big thing as far as, um, you know, he has the house of hardcore. He's, he's you know, doing a lot less dates than, you know, traveling through, you know, 250 to 300 days a year uh, with the WWE. So, a lot of the forty somethings that they're you know late thirty something forty somethings that they're trying to reach out to uh really aren't as enthusiastic to come back because of the schedule and because of the the, the body you know their body and how it is now uh chris why do you know we're we're seeing with the Kurt Hawkins like we saw on on Smackdown tonight and we saw the past couple of weeks of course we got Shelton Benjamin, but he's got gone for surgery. Why an MVP wasn't very impressive in his last TNA run? Why would MVP even be considered? I think with MVP, it's probably more based on what he did in Japan. I think TNA misused him, and he could have had a better run there had they known what he was capable of as far as his charisma goes. But I'm not shocked that he chose not to go back to WWE. He was not booked that well towards the end of his last run. And I almost feel like they would be bringing him back in just to have somebody else for the new generation to go over, kind of like how Jinder Mahal is going to be used. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like Jinder Mahal is going to be given a big push. He got his initial win over Heath Slater and then lost his first real match. So, you know, some of these guys are coming back probably knowing that this is just going to be an opportunity for them to get some exposure before they head back to the Indies in a year or two. Exactly. So do you think that so you're saying that his loss against Kazani isn't a big deal? <laughs> uh <laughs> well you know, when it comes to that guy that's just I, I just don't like to think about Kazani. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, talk about uh, your failed um, uh, uh, opportunity in WWE. Ryan, execution MVP. of a gimmick. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that was that, and um, uh, what's the Hayden Vanson? What what he was uh, he was a flop too. Um, Who? Exactly. Are you talking about Van? <laughs> are you talking about Van Archer? What, I don't, who did you no, say? no, Hayden Vanson. It was a uh, he had like one or two vignettes. Uh, I mean, it was very <laughs> dark and and, and uh, mysterious. Uh, Google him. Honestly, drawing a blank. Yeah, Hayden yeah, Vance. No doubt. That, that, that's exactly that's exactly my point. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, he had like one or two vignettes. Same thing with uh, Brockus. Uh, he was another person who uh, had about one or two vignettes, and then just kind of uh, just left, just kind of dissipated. And and and, and I think he was in like uh, some tournament in the WWE, maybe in the Brawl for All too. But yeah, he he just became just relatively nobody. All right, Conor McGregor defeats Nate Diaz at UFC 202. Um, you know, he was talking, uh, he talked a good game. Of course, the, the press conference went awry before UFC 202. And then, you know, watching the fight, um, it, it was interesting in spurts, but McGregor really did the, the he, I, I, call, I call it the Mayweather treatment that uh, he started just kind of he, he was gassed out he just looked so gassed out after two rounds the first two rounds was pretty solid uh and then diaz started to you know ha- get some shots in but even diaz's uh punch looked so weak and you know there was some there was some good moments but i think the fight was a bit underwhelming um at the end uh ryan i don't know if you watched it but i'm sure you know <clears throat> Uh, some highlights and, and 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 what went down as far as uh, just uh, just what happened. What are your takes on that? Now, of course, you know the the, the series is split now. Uh, Diaz won the first one. McGregor uh, just won this one. Um, based on just the talks afterwards and everything, we may see a Diaz McGregor three. I'm sure there's a bunch of money in that. Would you be interested at all in seeing a, a third installment of them two? Um, yeah, actually, I would. Uh, I was, that was one of the reasons why I actually went into this rooting for McGregor, just to be able to get another fight out of this. Um, mm-hmm. But my only thing is, like you said, just with so much bad blood and the buildup between the two, you just really want to see a knockout here in these type of fights. Um, (laughs) Decisions are, they're a bit of a letdown, no matter how many, I mean, because you're right, there were some hard shots there for sure. Um, But yeah, decisions are just anticlimactic and just, I don't know, man. And just like the whole shaking hands afterwards, like, no, just, Keep the heat. Yeah. You can't go into the third <laughs> match the way we wrestling fans like it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly I, right. I, I'd be down for a third, but I definitely hope more water water bottles can be thrown. Yeah, exactly. Chris, what are your thoughts on this fight? You know, that's the problem with UFC is these these fights get hyped up so much in advance, and then a lot of times they fall short of expectations. People expect these classic brawls, and 
you know, people are a little disappointed sometimes. I, I've only seen highlights of the fight. I didn't watch it live. I, I'll probably watch the full fight here eventually. But, you know, I, I'm sort of losing interest in UFC the past few years. And I think it's kind of the same for a lot of people. You know, a lot of their big draws are inactive right now or completely gone. So they're trying to build up McGregor as this new big badass but you know he kind of turned heel on everybody a while back and now it, nobody really knows what the future holds I'd, I'd be interested to see a third fight just to see who'd win the tiebreaker but you know am I going to spend money myself to see it no I'll go watch it in a bar for free yeah that's what I do with every UFC fight <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're overpriced <laughs> that's for sure they need a UFC yeah. network for nine ninety nine a month Exactly. Yeah, I uh, I'm not going to tell people where I go because they're not paying me to plug them. So, but uh, I do go to a very reputable uh, company that uh, is known for their chicken. So, um, so that's as far as I go with that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that we're going to see a three. It's 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 to the point at this time. And, and Chris, you you said it very well as far as uh, and Ryan, you you were alluding to it as well. Just as far as the WWE, uh, the the UFC doesn't really have that type of star power anymore. That's the reason why Lesnar came from not fighting for nearly five years straight to a semi-main event spot um, because he has the name, because he has the star power. Same thing with CM Punk. He's never fought a UFC match, uh, and now he's one of you know he, he's one of the headliners against uh, Mickey Gall. So they. You know, it's the star power, and you know, and as a businessman, you can't really knock it that much because you know that, that's if that's what's bringing the money in, if that's what's drawing the fans, uh, you know, run with it. And uh, you know, so that I'm looking forward to two or three. It's in Cleveland, and um, you know, as an Ohioan, that's uh, it's great to to see that. I was really contemplating. I still haven't totally. Um, extinguish that from my head as far as driving up to Cleveland. It's about a two and a half hour hike. Um I would I would drive to Cleveland to see CM Punk lose. So that's 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 uh how I feel about two oh three. So that uh it should be fun. Uh, next we got uh Gawker um uh, ceasing operations because of the Hawk Hogan legal issues. Armand jump in whenever you're with us, uh, uh you're still live here on the queue. Um, but yeah, it, it, the legal issues causing Gawker to, to, to shut down operations. Very interesting stuff. $140 million lawsuit, of course. And of course, uh, um, you know, Hogan, uh, was going through some legal stuff and, uh, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the lawsuit and everything, uh, allowed him to, to win and to win big, he, he dropped the big leg on Gawker that caused them to retire early, brother. So, so Chris, uh, you know, this is just another Hulk Hogan uh, moment. He hasn't been relevant in wrestling for a while, but he's definitely been relevant outside the ropes. Yeah, it's. I got to be honest with you, the, the whole Gawker thing. I, as a writer, I hate to see anybody who writes for a living out of work, but 
I was never a fan of the Gawker website to begin with. It always seemed like their articles had a sense of entitlement and they were looking down on the people they were writing about and mocking them, sort of like how a lot of TMZ articles appear. And I, I can't say I'm unhappy to see Gawker end because I always kind of looked at it as one of the black spots on the popular Internet sites. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. Hogan's going to get a chunk of his money and settle for it. The whole bankruptcy thing, he's not going to see any of it for a while. So he's just going to milk this in the media until appeals are over. And then WWE will probably bring him back in a few years when everybody forgets the racist things that he said on the video. And, you know, it'll be what it'll be. Hogan is kind of unkillable at this point in his life. Yeah. And, you know, and they allude to him all the time now. His, his, um, you know, he's not getting the Benoit treatment anymore. Uh, they allude to him all the time, uh, just on the network. I, I watched, uh, I watched Legends of JBL. I've watched just about all of them so far, and um, I, I just recently watched the one with Sting, which is by far my favorite one. Is you know, it just, it was absolutely amazing from from a, a deeply uh, spiritual person, a deep, a, a strong Christian as myself, and just. Uh, Sting just making those references It was just absolutely amazing But, you know, Hogan was mentioned You know, he was a pivotal point in in Sting's career Uh, And just, you know And and it was The thing is, when you really kind of bring that light From Hogan uh, And and just the the things that he That he does, that he's done You know, in in the wrestling Legacy and the the lineage When you keep bringing him In that light It kind of you know, sweeps the negative comments under the rug. Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I I don't know, man. You can't get much from me out of this. Like, I got, I got no problem with Hogan for the stuff that happened and just, you know, it's forgive, forget, whatever. But Gawker, I really didn't know too much about, but like Chris has said, he kind of summed them up, so I don't know, it just Gawker is not eight feet tall, I guess that's all I can say. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, they may be, because Hogan's known for slaying the Giants, brother. Yeah. <laughs> this is just another one. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, and, and you know, Chris alluded to it, I, I wasn't um, an avid you know, viewer of Gawker. Uh, I I peeked over there a few times, but uh, Gawker was definitely no 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 site that uh, I was a frequent, and not even not even a semi frequent or even an occasional. I, I barely even uh, was on there. I, I peeked over there a few times ever really. Um, I just wasn't interested. I just it just really didn't enthuse me. Um, just as a PR major, I'm about layouts as far as just websites and just, uh, um, you know, a, a website with a bad layout will just, you know, th- that I don't care what you're sharing. It, it will just uh, not really – it, it would just cause my interest to, to fade a bit, and I didn't really like their layout, to, to be perfectly honest, so I really didn't visit them much. And then lastly, we have uh, a string of wrestlers being suspended. Um Alberto Del Rio, Paige, and Eva Marie. So, was it a was it a random, uh, you know, a test to to a, a bunch of people, or was it just a matter of 
Um, you know, them starting with Del Rio and just testing Paige just to see, you know, she would be popped as well. Ryan, what are your thoughts on just the, the swarm of, uh, of, you know, positive and failed drug tests? You know, we've seen um, Adam Rose. We've seen Victor, Roman Reigns, Paige, uh, uh, Alberto Del Rio, and even Marie as of late. Uh, what is going on with that? Uh, definitely not sure. I, I wish WWE would tell us what they get popped for. That would help out a lot. Right. But, um, yeah, no, Eva Marie was definitely, like, that was really shocking. Um, I, I wouldn't imagine hers could have been, what hers could have been, sorry. Uh, but for Paige and Del Rio, it just, I don't know, for them it just seems like a, another just string of bad luck they have, at least Paige anyway. I don't, I feel like, I feel like she's almost on her way back home across the pond. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> I just, I really wish we could know what they get popped for. That's, it's, it's really hard to say until they start telling us. I mean, you don't know. If it's actual PDs, I mean, you don't know if it's actual drugs, drugs. So, I mean, heck, it could be alcohol. I was reading on their thing that on their website that uh, wrestlers can't drink like 12 hours before a show. So, I mean, it could be anything. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I was not uh, – I have to look at that list and, and see um, because a lot, of, a lot of times I hear Adderall. Um, I'm vaguely familiar with Adderall, and and um, and the interesting part is I heard that uh, Roman Reigns was was, was prescribed. Um, I don't know if either of you uh, heard about that, but uh, if it was unprescribed, unpre- un- uh, that would be an issue. But I heard it was prescribed, so I really don't. You know, there there was a few things that was going around, but you know, and then you know Adderall end up people end up landing on Adderall. Of course, we still. Um, don't really know exactly what it is. It's just reports, but uh, it's interesting that even with the prescribed, and he, and then we saw it with Adam Rose. You know, he even, you know, posted, you know, the uh, the prescription from his doctor uh, on social media. Uh, yeah, and, and it's still, I guess they still didn't really care. What 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 is your, your That's thoughts? That's a little weird. That? I thought, I thought Adderall was like an ADHD medicine. Right, well, was something um, to help you focus. I could be off, but I mean that's it is why these it guys is. would be taking something like that. It's weird. It's also it has a dual effect. Um, from what I, from what I know and from, from what I researched and ah, yeah. yeah, so so it could be you know it, it's the it, it kind of balances you for from an ADHD standpoint, mm. but it can be but it can be kind of like. Um, uh, it can be addicting as far as getting you some type of high, you know, some type of uh, yeah. you, you can get aroused, you know, from from uh, yeah, um, yeah uh, improper dosage. So, yeah, interesting stuff. You know, I, again, I don't really know, you know, exactly why, but it should be uh, should be interesting as far as uh, their their suspensions. But I tell you what, for Eva Marie, and of course, you know, I'm starting to do this every week. And I'm starting to, uh, you know, we're going to, when I'm on a show, it's going to pop up. Uh, but 
this deserves this segment for this for this evening goes to Eva Marie's husband. Dummy, dummy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's Holy Eva Marie's husband. Yeah. <laughs> he, gets, he gets the dummy, yeah, of the night. Um, yeah, just the 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 social media that came from you know. The, the, why would he even post on social media and rip the WWE? And I think that that was yeah. the stupidest thing. You know, why would why would you rip the WWE? Even Marie's, she hasn't really proved herself in the ring, but she's still getting an opportunity. And she's given a lot of opportunity. Exactly, yeah. she gets this you know elaborate entrance, and husband when when she gets popped, husband just kind of rips the WWE almost immediately, and then talk about more coming soon. I mean. What? Why in the world would you? And do don't forget, stupid? she's got to go back to work in thirty days. In thirty days, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it would be it would be one thing if she was fired, you know, but it's a month out of you know out of the fact that she could be making more money in six months, and they seem like that she's about to be pushed to the moon as the, to the top hill on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. You know, those are just things that you just can't do. Over a 30-day suspension. I thought that that was crazy. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, as a man who would want to defend his wife in a situation like that, I I kind of understand the knee-jerk reaction. But at the same time, you're talking about a woman who's employed with a company who not only has enough talent in the chamber to replace her at any time, but they're a company that's very fickle about what people say. I mean, there's rumors that Joey Styles was released for some comments he made in some, like, Facebook Q&A, and they weren't even that disparaging to WWE. Now, granted, if her prescription was valid and she forgot to turn in the paperwork on time, maybe there should be a little leeway in that case because mm-hmm. a lot of people do need Adderall. I, I, I've never taken it, but I know a lot of people who have over the years – and I know that it is extremely beneficial when you do suffer from ADHD, but like you guys said, it it has been used by other people as an illegal substance. So they have to be very careful. Maybe they're using her to set an example saying, you know, even late paperwork counts as a violation. But yeah. he definitely should he definitely jumped the gun. He should have let her make her own statements because this is her career that's on the line, not his. I mean, yeah, he appears on Total Divas once in a while. Big deal. He's he he just needs to let her handle her business and just support her in her decision. Absolutely, very well said. All right, let's get to SummerSlam um, review. But before we get to SummerSlam, this is how I feel. Uh, I'm gonna let you all. Uh, I'm gonna let Chris and Ryan do a, a portion of the talking. This pretty much sums up how I feel about SummerSlam. Delete. Chris, how, what are your thoughts on SummerSlam? You know, I I could tell you're disappointed by it <laughs> from that sound bite. Yeah, just a little. Uh, <laughs> you know, for a huge event, it was a slight letdown. But I, you know, I always like to look at the positives, and I did see a lot of positives that night. The Sheamus versus Cesaro match, I thought, really 
exceeded, and I shouldn't say exceeded expectations because I know what those two guys are capable of together. But I thought they did a really good job. I thought the women's title match was great. Uh, you know, all the main events had something to like. My biggest problem is, and I know we're going to talk about this in the Flavor of the Week thing later, but the way the whole Brock Lesnar thing ended, I thought that was probably the worst booking decision of the night. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Um, Reigns Rusev just felt like a raw spot. Um, AJ Cena, yeah, you probably could have just went home after that for the rest of the weekend. Um, Sasha Banks has got to stop. Uh, She's going to break her neck, and I don't say that jokingly in this business. Um, Big E. So why didn't he come out with New Day at (laughs) SummerSlam? I don't... why did he drink his own testicle juice? I I don't know. I'm just I was confused by all that. Mm-hmm. That was kind of gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please, I don't want any. Yeah, I. There's just there's so much. I mean, you know, the whole delete thing is is pretty much how I, uh, that's the best way for me as far as how I feel about this. I I'll talk about the positives first, and I found one positive. Uh, well, AJ Styles and Cena was a very solid match. It was, it was a really good match, so I will say that. Um, I I like Lesnar, Shane. I like that. I like I like the potential in that. Um, and and I think that it was. I think that would be something that would be. I was thinking Survivor Series, but you know maybe you know knowing Brock Lesnar, it wouldn't surprise me if there it's a five month span that we don't see the guy. And I think that that would be that's enough star power to to um, to headline a, a a Royal Rumble because you have to think about you want as many people on deck as possible in the Royal Rumble, uh, and you know with the split titles they may even do what they used to do as far as the winner get to get to choose either one type of thing. Um, Lesnar doesn't need to be in the Royal Rumble. Uh, there's he, there's no point, you know, he shouldn't be in the world title picture around that time. So, and of course, Shane's not going to be the Royal Rumble. So a Lesnar-Shane match headlining the Royal Rumble, uh, outside of the Royal Rumble, I'd be totally fine with that. And then, you know, Shane always does a fantastic job. And we we saw him with Show, we saw him with Tess, we saw him with Kane, we saw him with Taker. Um, and, you know, him against just that, that, that underdog feel, uh, of course, with Angle as well, uh, but specifically bigger guys, that underdog Shane McMahon is just, <laughs> talk about heart-stopping. You know, he puts it all out there. So a Shane-Brock match, I'm actually very intrigued about. Um, so I, I, I did look forward to that, and we saw a little bit more about that on SmackDown as well. But everything else just flops to me. I mean, first of all, you know, and we just for time constraints, I'm going to just kind of rapid fire. You had Jericho win uh, against the hometown boys, Enzo and Kaz. What a way to automatically deflate the crowd in the very beginning of the pay-per-view. Awful decision. 
Uh, and then Finn Balor and Rollins. I've talked about Balor. You know, uh, it's, I, he's one of my top five, but I think that they're poorly mis, uh, misusing him. He should he should have been uh, built much more strongly than you know having him plateau like that. Miz and Cruz was like a five minute match with some change, and it was just pointless. It just it, this this pay per view for being six hours long. It's weird because it was a six hour plus a, you know kind of the pre show, six hours total, but they still found a way to run out of time. So it seemed like the last two matches were definite audibles. You know now there's and we'll talk about the Lesnar Jericho thing at the at the end here. But of course, that there were audibles because you know they were running out of time. You can tell the Reigns and Rusev we ran out of time for that. Um, you know the the finish was uh, planned ish. You know somewhat as far as uh, the 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 type of finish. He was supposed to get bladed. Oh, he was supposed to get cut. He was supposed to bleed. Orton was, um, but uh, it, it was cut short because of time. So it just was. It was a very. It was a very. Odd SummerSlam. This is definitely one one of those SummerSlams that uh, you would want to, as my boy Broken Matt would say, delete. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to Raw and SmackDown. Here we go. Gentlemen, Ryan, let's start with you. What were your takeaways on Raw? Uh, gee, that's a great question. <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, no, I've been more of the SmackDown guy these past few weeks, like usual. Um, no, yeah, Raw's still long, but I didn't understand. It's that same old opener. Of yeah, let's have everybody come out and talk forever. Like, why did they need to get have everyone come out, entrances and all, just to you know say, hey, we're going to have a tournament. Just just announce the tournament, and, and try to keep the camera off of Stephanie feeding Foley lines. I've noticed oh. that a lot lately. <laughs> I, I don't get it. That's on the production oh, truck. I just I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, the, the um, so I'm guessing the Dudleys are gonna come out of retirement to face the club. Uh, what are, what are we doing here? Is that that's another thing that got me. So, yeah, yeah, there wasn't there. I not too much from Raw for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Chris, uh, don't give Titus O'Neil a microphone anymore. Oh, oh, oh yeah, man. Oh, man. <laughs> that 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 to me was the opposite of what I expected because in the past Titus O'Neil has actually been pretty strong 
when he sits with the commentary team. But when he's standing in the middle of the ring by himself with nobody else to play off, trying to be the angry heel, it, it, it really fell flat. The fact that he stumbled over some of his lines in the beginning didn't help. I'm sure he was just nervous, but Titus O'Neil is one of those guys that has so much potential in so many areas, but I don't look at him as being 100% of a well-rounded wrestler to where he's ever going to be world champion. I think he could be a U.S. or an IC champion with some work, but you know he's a great ambassador for the company and all the charity work he does. But uh, as far as the rest of Raw goes, you know, the opening segment, like he said, that dragged on a little bit. They should have just announced the tournament as soon as Balor handed over the title. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the four guys they chose to be in in the fatal four-way, and I'm pleasantly surprised to see Big Cass in the mix there. Uh, I think this is the WWE kind of testing out what it would be like if they broke up Enzo and Cass, which, you know, that would obviously be a shame, but it's going to happen eventually with every tag team. So they got to kind of play with it a little bit, but you know, it wasn't a very memorable post SummerSlam show. I don't think they did a very good job continuing the right storylines and setting up new ones for uh, what is it? Clash of champions is their next pay-per-view mm-hmm. for Raw. Mm-hmm. So, and plus, the whole announcement of 19 pay-per-views a year moving Ooh. forward, that mm. wears me out just thinking about it. <laughs> yes. Oh, and Bailey. Oh, my goodness. Bailey was cool. That's right. Bailey was great. Bailey was great. I was true. thinking now, so down the road a few years from now, is she going to be the new, when are they going to turn Bailey heel? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. They'll that. turn on her eventually. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna even with the purest baby faces. You know, if Steamboat yeah. was around nowadays, you know, he'd get booed because he was such an awesome pure baby face. Yeah. Unfortunately, that doesn't really exist these days, which just irritates me to no end. But as far as uh, as far as Raw, you know, it it, it was it was. Oh man, it was it was bad to me. It was really bad. I, you know, just and and I, I will say, Chris, I, I do agree. I, I'm okay. I like cast. I, I like the cast being in that. Um, I wouldn't even say a split. I would say more Enzo being the talker uh, and kind of uh, beefing up cast. You know, it's basically the reverse role of Heyman and Lesnar. The babyface Heyman and Lesnar, basically. Um, I would that's be on board exactly with that. What, yeah, and that's the reason why I, I wrote on Fox Sports the article that I wrote as far as uh, the ten, you know, must-see feuds for for the next year. I actually, I really want to see a big cast versus Brock Lesnar feud, just just for the talking aspect. I can just imagine all four of them being in the ring, you know. Brock Lesnar and Big Cass not really saying much, and then you know Enzo and Heyman just going at it on the mic. I think that that would just—I want to see that. That to me, that's entertaining. That's something that I can invest in, that I can really buy into. That would really, really lead me to want to see the match based on the talking. I mean, the promos is is what should happen anyway to lead me and and to to invest me into any type of match. And so yeah, I really I really want to see that. And so I like Cass uh, from the from the standpoint of Enzo being the mouthpiece. I don't think that they're going to split up because um, if if Vince really wants Cass to be you know that next big guy babyface, 
um, he knows good and well that Enzo being without him would just be so deflating and, and purposeless, especially since Enzo is not very good in the ring. Um, him having the singles run just would not work at all. Um, it, it appears as if New Day's out of the tag team uh, title picture uh, with that clean win uh, from Big E on Anderson, especially. And, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I will say that uh, just because, you know, we've got a lot of 50-50 booking. We've, we've got a lot of unstable creative direction when it comes to Ga- uh, Gallows and Anderson that they need to – they need to build some steam as, as dominant heels. They they have to because their booking has been so inconsistent since they uh, uh, debuted, and, and I, I haven't been a fan of it at all. So, you know, hopefully this is a reset button. I don't really like the doctor gimmick. I think it makes them too cheesy. I'm so used to, you know, New Japan, Bullet Club, Anderson and Gallows with, uh, you know, Gallows with the paint, and they were very dominant heels. Uh, so I'm okay with it, and I and I certainly, I, I certainly prefer this, you know, than Bully Ray, you know, another incarnation of Bully Ray. Oh, I I was so happy that they didn't turn, you know, uh, Bubba Ray because I really, really did not want to see that. I, I didn't want to see Devon getting the Genetti treatment again, and and Bully Ray, you know, being a, a, a mega heel on Raw. I mean, this if this was 2002, the first time they split up, maybe that would be a different conversation. But I don't want to see Bully Ray. I don't want to see the WWE's version of Bully Ray because it would be so toned down. And as far as Tyus O'Neal, uh, man, that was just rough. <laughs> it was, And, and you know, y'all, y'all both made some, some good points as far as, you know, it, it, vibing off of somebody when you know he, when he was in the booth of JBL, uh, it, it was great. But you can tell that he hasn't really cut a promo like that in a while. And plus, it was one of he was flubbing because you know, like when I interviewed Brad Mundock some weeks ago, he was talking about how you know it, it'd be an hour or two beforehand, and you have to you know memorize pages of script. And so he was flubbing because you know he was probably. You know, his mind was probably working, you know, a mile a minute, and he was in front of that huge marquee Brooklyn crowd, and he probably had the jitters, you know, and he was flubbing, and and you can tell from the very beginning, it was just absolutely horrible. How am I supposed to think that he's a dominant heel and he can't even cut a promo? But that was just, that was horrible. Uh, So, you know, it was was not a very good role. Roman Reigns and Jericho was good, but somehow – um, Roman Reigns still gets you can't wrestle chance. So that pretty much describes the state of the WWE as far as the fans right now. Chris, yeah. what do you think of SmackDown? <laughs> uh, you know, SmackDown was kind of like raw, underwhelming. The, the debut of these two new titles really didn't do much for me personally because the titles look exactly like the raw titles, but with SmackDown colors. But I am happy that the tag team titles are silver instead of bronze. At least that's one step up on the podium, right? Mm, Um, I thought Carmella's heel turn felt extremely forced. And frankly, I think WWE has mishandled her since they called up Enzo and Cass without her. She should have been with them. She'd be getting huge pops during her women's matches if she was also with Enzo and Cass just as a unit like they were in NXT. Yep. 
But, you know, as far as uh, everything else goes, I thought the main event between Styles and Ziggler was decent, you know, for Styles to go out there and put on two great matches across three nights is pretty commendable. But the, the booking of Ziggler just confuses me. Like, he was on fire leading into that Ambrose match. They killed his momentum with two losses in a row. He should have. It should have been a triple threat match at, at uh, yeah. Backlash. Yeah. They should have had Ziggler in there. Now what's Ziggler going to do? Is he is he going to just mope around and complain about how he never wins? Is that his new gimmick? I don't, I don't know. SmackDown was just a little generic. Back to Corbin to lose for three more months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, what are your thoughts on SmackDown? Uh, I'll pick up where he left off with Dolph. Um, I don't know. Maybe we're just leading to the slowest heel turn uh, ever. But, uh, no, AJ, man, like this, I, you know, I wasn't, and still I'm not a TNA guy or Impact guy. Is This is what I've been missing with AJ Styles for all this time. Like, TNA had this guy, and they still couldn't put themselves on the map like that? It's insane to me. Like, pun intended, the phenomenalness is just insane. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, no, uh, I I am looking forward to seeing Kurt Hawkins come back. Uh, You know, (laughs) I I was in the Kurt Hawkins before, oddly enough. Um, Dean, man, it's, it's... He's so weak to weak, but he's he's fading fast in in my book, man. I just I don't I don't know how much appreciation I have for Dean as champ anymore. There's just it's mm-hmm. not. I don't know if it's because I've seen the John Moxley stuff. Now I'm not saying he needs to get that brutal and do the backyard stuff like he was doing in CZW, but man, just. It's too goofy. Make it a little more serious, I guess. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and here's the thing as far as SmackDown. I've I've thought that SmackDown actually won uh, each week since the split. Um, I actually was impressed with SmackDown last week. I think it was pretty solid. This, uh, this SmackDown wasn't horrible. It wasn't – I wouldn't even call it bad. Uh, I think all, underwhelming is the operative word here. Uh, but I, I wouldn't call it bad though, um, because again, I, I like the Shane Brock thing. I like that. I like that they're teasing that. I like that feud. Uh, there's just something that's going to be very entertaining about that. The Taker and Shane was just trash to me. It wasn't. I mean, as far as the build up, because it just made no sense. They both were big heels. They're both were part time. I mean, excuse me, big faces, big part time faces. Um, you know, Taker in his home state. Shane having you know the biggest pops and uh, out of anybody in years, it just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and, and the double turn, like you said, Chris, just absolutely hor- horrible. And here's the thing: uh, Carmella turning heel isn't going to bump her character up at all. It's, it's going to do nothing for her character. The only thing it's going to do is going to basically she's prey to Nikki Bella. They'll probably have a you know a match with with them too, uh, leading into probably a uh, uh, class a uh, backlash. And she's going to put Nikki over, and you know, and what does that do for Carmella? That doesn't do. I mean, talk about your new era. You know, you have someone who's been in the business for ten years, and you know, Carmella. I put Alexa Bliss in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and 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 the thing is is that you know i don't I don't see anything with Carmella, you know they stopped doing the whole talking into the uh uh to the ring now because they because it was flat, you know people there was no build, I think Chris and I you know we were talking about this before there there wasn't no build leading up to Carmella talking you know into the ring, you know you have a fraction of the total w w e audience watching n x t maybe a third. So maybe a third of the people who watch, you know, Raw or SmackDown knows who she is. So when she was coming out talking, people were like, who is this person? I don't know who this is. You know, am I, am I, am I supposed to be joining her? Or are there catchphrases that I'm supposed to be waiting for? What am I doing? Why am I listening to her? So it, it, was, not, it was not a proper build, uh, you know, as far as her is concerned. Um, I, I like the... Uh, the whole coin look for the belts, I don't like still. But I will say I, I do like the SmackDown titles, both of the titles, much more than I like uh, Raw, uh, Raw's. I do like the Slater thing. Yeah. I got a soft yeah. spot for Slater. Um, yeah. I love oh, yeah. you know, the, yeah, the Raw 1000 when he was fighting all the legends. You know, this is his second go around doing this stuff. So uh, he's way over. He, he's money. I like Slater. Uh, I think that's great. I, I knew it was going to be Rhino. I was expecting that. Um, but, yeah, it just like you said, it was underwhelming. Um, I was expecting Orton Bray, too, and I actually tweeted, you know, I, I just don't like Bray as a singles. You know, he came in, his whole gimmick was he's supposed to be this cult leader of this backyard farm, and he's, you know, bringing people and Sister Abigail but every time he's, you know, he he's alone. It just doesn't make sense. Like, you know, is he is he so bad of a cult leader that he he didn't have any followers anymore? I mean, and you have people, so you you have someone like Eric Rowan, who will will be nothing without uh, without Bray Wyatt. You know, uh, the only thing that Rowan needs to do is just come with him with the mask. He doesn't need to, you know, he need to, he can be the fall guy every time. You know, he can he can be pushed to, you know, whoever he's feuding with or whoever, you know, he's face to face. He can, you know, he can push Rowan to him and they can eat, you know, a finisher. He, it would be okay if, if Rowan was the fall guy, as long as Bray Wyatt's with somebody, it kind of really makes him who he is as far as that, that cryptic, you know, mind games leader. But now he's alone again. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm not, I'm not, very big on that, and like you said, Ryan, I, I've said this many times. I don't see money in Dean Ambrose. Uh, you know, just the the, the gear, the, uh, the athleticism's there, um, but just the gear, he doesn't look like a champion to me at all. Um, so I, I didn't see I this 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 pretty much falls into what I've been thinking the whole time as far as just I, I don't see money in, in Ambrose, unfortunately. So. And a few minutes, let's get to uh, a much positive, much more positive uh, note, which was NXT. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on NXT? Takeover. Uh, are you talking TakeOver or the product in general? TakeOver. You know, I enjoyed TakeOver. Uh, I know a lot of people thought it fell a little short, but eventually that was going to happen. They put on so many great shows in a row. And each one kept out doing the last that eventually it was going to peter off a little bit, especially when you move a lot of your big guys to the main roster. But uh, I thoroughly enjoyed 
Bailey and Asuka and the way Bailey kind of had a little mini send-off there without really them acknowledging that it was a send-off. Yeah. Nakamura and Joe, you know, their main event was really as good as you could hope for. They they didn't they didn't put on a five-star match, but they put on a four-star match, and that's the most you can really ask for at any of these events from anybody. Um, other than that, I actually thought the, the most entertaining part of the show for me personally was Bobby Roode. I, I, I love Bobby Roode. There, there's something about that guy that just makes you want to watch him. He's, he's so funny without trying to be funny. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but um, the whole thing online with, Champa and Gargano doing the glorious bombs has made me like him oh, even yeah. more. Um, and his his music, how can you not kind of laugh when that music hits? It's almost like it's kind of like what Ric Flair's music was back in the day. You hear it and it just kind of puts a smile on your face because you know mm-hmm. the guy coming through the curtain can get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Um, said. Everything he said about Bobby Roode, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, the that tag match, the revival and Gargano uh, and Champa, good grief, man! It yes, that, that was an amazing match. That oh yeah, I forgot honestly, about that. That was awesome. Yeah, that might have been the under radar, you know, second match of the weekend. But um, yeah, Oscar just continues to impress. I, I the way they she carries herself and just not talking at all, really. And just, mm-hmm. I, that character is just so intriguing to me. Um, thank you. I, I'd like to see Samoa Joe just go to SmackDown. I think they could use them over there on SmackDown. They need more bodies anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's time. Nakamura is going to be carrying NXT on his back for a while. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I thought, of course, to me, NXT was far surpassed uh, anything uh, since, you know, from SmackDown to, you know, from Saturday to, to Tuesday. Uh, that was clear-cut number one for me. I, I just, I appreciate NXT so much, man, because it, it, reminds, it has an old-school feel to it as far as psychology is concerned. I mean, just just look at it from a fan's perspective, an old school fan's perspective. Look at the cadence. Look at the nuances. Look at you know you you mentioned Oscar. I'm a big fan of Oscar. I thought that match was a bit sloppy, but you know it it still delivered uh, for the most part. Um, mm. I, I think that Oscar just you know carrying the uh, the the, uh, the 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 kind of carpet type thing out just uh, and. and and just just the just the mannerisms that she had that she was kind of uh you know dancing a bit and just uh of course the glorious entrance that was just absolutely phenomenal it it was a big stage feel you know it was it it, it had a bigger stage feel than SummerSlam did you know because there were elaborate entrances uh Oscar's entrance was more elaborate than usual uh you know glorious that entrance was absolutely incredible I I felt like a kid in the '80s again when the violinists start playing Shinsuke Nakamura's music, and just it was it was a big stage WrestleMania entrance feel for NXT to me, and that and to me that's what I'm looking for from an entertainment standpoint. 
when because to me wrestling and I've said this many many times for for time I'll, I'll shrink it for time constraints. I can watch wrestling matches for for hours and not be enthralled at all. But if you throw some theater in there and some entertainment, if you throw the theater aspect, which it should be, if you if you give me narratives and stories and psychology, I'm all in. And when it comes with you know Shinsuke Nakamura, that's why he's just he's a cut above the rest to me from that standpoint of of merging uh, and marrying theater with wrestling. He really brings the character aspect, the strength of the character aspect back. I just Absolutely love it. All right, we have a few uh, few minutes left. Let's get to the flavor of the week. It is now time for the flavor of the week. All right, a few minutes apiece. Let's start with Ryan. The flavor of the week is just you know, there's no list, there's no best or worst. Just a simple question: Is Brock Lesnar really needed in the WWE at this time? At this time, you mean like in the September, October, November, where it starts to dip, or do you just mean in this new draft era? Just period. I mean, is he is he, <laughs> yeah, is he an asset just, to the company? Yeah, just it, it's a tough question to answer because he he is an asset, absolutely. They uh, need is a strong word, but I, I say for me, I would say no, they don't need him. He's good to have, but no, they absolutely don't need him. Um, I don't think he fits in with this new roster of guys. Like it's, I don't see anybody on that roster and think, oh boy, they're going to beat Brock Lesnar and move on and just be this big superstar. Like, the next person for him to take on, I think, like, Samoa Joe may be a good candidate. Like, he seems the most legit. Um, I don't know. I just, I I can't figure out who I would have defeat Lesnar, be the one to pin him. I mean, it's been, what, two years since he had that dominant performance against, yeah, the SummerSlam two years ago against Cena. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I just and part of me is just like ah, screw it. Just have Goldberg beat him at Mania and just be done with it. But <laughs> yeah, that's just the easy way out. But I don't know. I just but no, they don't need him. But he's good to have. So I'll I'll, I'll take an easy way out, a cop out answer. Hmm. Well, what about you, Chris? Uh, what's a you know million dollar question, man? You're in the hot seat. See, I'm, I'm I'm real torn on Brock Lesnar. Uh, he brings star power. He brings press. So does WWE need him for mainstream exposure? Yes, but he has not brought it in his last several matches. His matches are too repetitive. He has three moves. People talk about Cena's five moves of doom. Lesnar has three. Mm. The German suplex, the F5, and the punch to the face. That's like all he does anymore. And it's starting to wear thin because, you know, he's this guy who comes and goes as he pleases and decimates anybody he faces. Well, how do, what does that say about the rest of your roster that's out there 300 days a year? Exactly. I think at this point it's not so much of does WWE need Brock Lesnar, is do they need Brock Lesnar with what he's doing right now? 
he could be a hmm. major asset if they booked him a little differently and if he was willing to put more work into his matches. And I'm only going off those Ambrose comments about him being lazy, and I totally believe Ambrose when he said Lesnar didn't want to get creative. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so it's right now I would not care one bit if Brock Lesnar walked away from wrestling. It would not bother me at all. But would I like to see him used better? Absolutely, because I think there's potential for him to contribute a lot. Mm-hmm. I think both of those answers were absolutely well said. I, I'm on the I'm on the Very absolute note. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, and that's coming from a conservative, interestingly enough. Um, but you know, but here's here's the thing. Um, I, I'm on the absolute no train. I I don't think that Brock Lesnar is is needed, not even one iota, to be honest with you, because. Based on what we've seen, and I think that Chris, you make a good point as far as his potential. He still has the star power, absolutely. But at the same time, we've seen there there hasn't been any match to me. I think I think Punk at uh, SummerSlam was the thirteen that he went against Punk. I think that that was that was it. I mean that that was that was the point for me that just really kind of cut off Brock Lesnar as far as being relevant. I think that match was very good at at uh, SummerSlam at 13. Not all because of Brock though. He he was he was still a bit lazy, but he was a little bit more athletic. Uh Taker was a lazy match. It was, I I didn't like it. Um you know, just everything afterwards. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the series. Uh Hell in a Cell was okay. Um, you know, but you, you can't really you can't really fail. Uh, you can't really fail a gimmick match that much, though. Um, yeah, and so it was it was it was it was a gimmick match uh, at uh, what was that uh, Night of Champions last year? Um, Cena Rollins was good. You said Cena Rollins. Lesnar Cena Rollins. That was probably his best since he's been back. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was what Royal Rumble, or was that? Um, I can't remember what it was. I think that was Royal was, Rumble yeah. fifteen. Yeah, I think that was Royal Rumble fifteen. Uh, Lesnar Cena Rollins, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, that match was good. But uh, I wasn't a big fan of Lesnar Rollins. Um, I, I did like Reigns uh, Lesnar mm-hmm. just because of the story of Reigns being the underdog, and he just it was kind of a coming of age. But even then, I still think Lesnar was uh, lazy. I mean, again, and I think with Rollins, Cena, and, and Lesnar, I think that Rollins uh, outshined. I think he did a fantastic job. Cena was good, too. But still, uh, the common thread is to me is Lesnar was there because of his name. And so it just, you know, if he's not there, especially now, especially this year alone, you know, he's, not, he's done nothing for me that's saying, oh, yeah, we need Brock Lesnar. I still, I'm still waiting for that person that he puts over, and I was, I've been yeah. waiting for that for you know quite yeah. some time now. I, I thought it was going to be Roman Reigns, may, maybe Seth Rollins, you know, probably not Dean Ambrose, but even he had a shot at WrestleMania, so he put over none of them. So, and, and that's and that's the and that's the terrible part of it. So, hey, maybe maybe we get Shinsuke versus Brock Lesnar at at, uh, at Mania, you know, and, and that's uh, you know. In Japan, you know, going back to Japan, maybe that'd be interesting. Uh, a, a part of me wants to see Lesnar take her too, and just for the take her to get that redemption. But it looks like all roads are pointing to take her and, and Cena, which uh, you know it's a money match, but I'm not too I'm not too uh, excited about. But yeah, I mean, I I just nope. 
Lesnar's just uh, he's not glorious at all. So, and people uh, forget he's been back since what 2012. Well, yeah, after many extreme rules. Yeah, Yeah. like it's like it started from the beatdown of Cena at SummerSlam. Like people forget he's been he was around for two years before that. Those matches with Triple H were brutal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he has from a physical standpoint. <laughs> yeah. he, he can be yeah. great if he tries, but I think a lot of people remember him as the Brock Lesnar who fought Kurt Angle at WrestleMania yeah. in a five-star yeah. match, and that's not the Lesnar we have anymore. Oh no, no, a lot more money, uh, about a dozen more years, and and just uh, a lot less enthusiasm. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to wrap it up. Yeah, oh my goodness, the ego is huge. His ego is probably bigger than his uh, bank account. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So, so we'll see what happens with Lesnar. Um, that's our time for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 230, thanks to Sean Maluda for a wonderful interview. Uh, thanks to uh, the wonderful uh, Chris Mueller, the doctor. Uh, you can follow him on Bleach Report WWE. And, of course, Crave Wrestling Zone, Ryan Fuqua. We've got some great things coming up the pike, some awesome announcements that uh, we'll bring in to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for every for everything. You all have a wonderful evening. God bless you all, and thanks for talking some wrestling. Episode 230 in the books. Everybody have a good night. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.